Psachim, Perak Yud, Mishneh 10.5. We continue with this second phase, second stage of the Pesach Seder, of the second cup of wine. So we're in the part of Magid. And the Mishnah says, Rabban Gamliel Haya Omer. Rabban Gamliel used to say, and of course this is familiar too because this Mishnah has been incorporated into our Haggadah as is, Kol Shlo Amar Devarim Elu Bafesach. Anyone who fails to mention the following three things at the on Pesach, meaning at Leil Haseder, lo yati de chovaso. He's not. He has not fulfilled his obligation. And those three things are ve'elohein, Pesach, Matzah, Umar. Pesach referring to the carbon Pesach, the offering, Matzah, Matzah, and Umar, the bitter herbs. Okay. So, first of all, what is he talking about? So. The simple understanding is he's talking about not fulfilling the mitzvah of v'higatel avincha, the mitzvah of sipur yitzitz mitzrayim, to tell over the story. And one who fails to speak out these three points and their rationale, as the bartender speaks out, it's it's ta'aman shal halalu, the reasons behind these three elements of the Pesach later. So he failed to do his job, and he's not yotzi. Now, the Rambam seems to understand that there's a separate mitzvah derabanan to explain these three issues. And one who fails to do so hasn't fulfilled his mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhi Mitzrayim, at least Midr That's very possibly what, probably what the Rama means. Others point out that really, and this is, I think, the majority, that we're talking here is about the way to fulfill the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhi Mitzrayim in the mitzvah Minamuvchar, the ideal proper way. Um, or maybe I should just say, yeah. So that means that if one fails to mention these things, but he did mention, for example, that we went out of Egypt just per se, so then already his yotzi technically is mitzvah. In proof of this, there are those who point out that there's no mitzvah, the Asher Kedishan of Mitzvah al Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, or Vigarat Levincha. There's no such bracha that we would recite at the beginning of the Magid portion, even though everyone agrees it's a key of a mitzvah doraisa. And the reason why. It suggests is because simply at Kiddush, when we mentioned Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, so that already now ticks the box, and we've Midoraisa fulfilled our obligation, and these are only sort of embellishments and additions too. So that's the second approach. Yeah, there are those who otherwise say that the mitzvah we're talking about here, this is fascinating actually, is not the mitzvah of Sipur at all, but rather if you don't explain the rationale, the reason, the tam behind Pesach, Matzah and Maror, you're not yotzi your mitzvah of Pesach, Matzah and Maror, respectively. If you eat the matzah, but you don't explain why the matzah is significant and what it's trying to convey to us, at least on some basic level, as the mission will now detail, then you haven't fulfilled your mitzvah of matzah, which is also fascinating. Whatever the case is, um, one is certainly obligated um, to elaborate on these three elements, and the mission explains. Pesach, as far as the Pesach, this means now the Korban Pesach, just so you should be clear, of course, the previous sentence which said, Shloshu Dovarm Elu Bafesach, excuse me, Bafesach, those three things on Pesach, it means the Pesach holiday at Leil Seder. Now when we say the Pesach is the first three elements that need explanation, we're talking about the offering itself. So, Pesach, Al Shum, what's the point of the Pesach? Because, Shepasach Hamakum Al Bate Avoseinu B'Mitzrayim, that back in Egypt, on the night of Makas Bechoros, which is the night we're having Leil Seder, 15th of Nisan, all the firstborn people, and even animals, all died in Mitzrayim. But the Jews who took the lamb, or 
kid and took its blood and put it on the doorposts and over the lintel. So they were spared from this Makas Bechoros. So that's that Hashem sort of demonstrating his supreme control over everything and everyone um, with that, you know, this this um, climactic 10th and final maka. So the Jews were saved. And in recognition that we, I don't know the word is could have or should have, um, but would have certainly died had we not been spared by Hashem through this lamb, goat. So we now recognize Hashem's control of history and his love for us and his special interest and special treatment of us. And therefore, we say, that Hashem passed over, the word Pasach means Passover, he passed over the houses of our ancestors in Egypt. Hamakom, of course, literally means the place. Um, Maxwell House always translated as the omnipresent, I remember, and that God as we had at home. Um, so, but the, the Hamakom reference to Hashem, of course, who is the uh, the infinite existence that precedes the world and in which the world, so to speak, exists. Now, that's the gear so we have in front of us. Many gear cells and many Mishnayas bring a Pasuk, a Shene'emar, um, and that very possibly should be included, as we see in Haggadahs. So, those that have the gear set would say Shene'emar, as it says in the Pasuk, this is the Pasuk in Shmos, Perak Yud Beis, Pasuk Chavzayin, Va'amartam Zevach Pesach Hashem, and you will tell them, the children who ask you, this is a Pesach sacrifice to Hashem. Asher Pasach al Bate Bnei Yisrael b'Mitzrayim, who skipped over the houses of the Bnei Yisrael in Egypt, b'Nagbo es Mitzrayim ve'es Batenu Hitzil, who um, afflicted or destroyed whatever he, the the in Egypt the Egyptian houses, but the um, but the our houses he saved. Okay, so that's the first, the Pesach. Second of all, you have matzah. Matzah al-shum, the reason for the matzah is because shenig'alu avosenu mimitzrayim, that our ancestors were redeemed in Egypt, we were saved. Again, there's this basic symbol of the matzah, but there's also just the basic idea, as the shenamar would bring out, for those girls that have the shenamar, if you have the, have it, it would be shenamar, as the Pasuk says, this is again Shmos, this is Perkid Beis Pasuk Lamates. V'yofu Eisabatzek. They baked the dough. Asher hotziu mimitzrayim. That they took out of Egypt. Ugos matzos. As like matzah cakes. Ki lo chametz. It hadn't leavened. Ki gorshu mimitzrayim v'lo yachlu lehismamea. They were sent out promptly, firmly, decisively from Egypt. And they couldn't tarry, and they didn't prepare any other like uh, provisions for the trip. They went on their own, um, and that's all, and therefore the matzah sort of is a reminder of the promptness and the alacrity and the zeal with which the Jews left Egypt, um, not waiting for anything. Of course, that's a reflection of Avodah Hashem and the Jewish notion of freedom, etc., and that's what matzah is symbolizing, and therefore we have the matzah, the Pesach Seder, and we eat it. And finally, maror, maror, those bitter herbs, al-shum, 
The reason for them is Shemeru Hamitzrim Eschayavosenu. The Egyptians embittered the lives of our forefathers, Bimitzrayim, in Egypt. Um, and again, there's a Shinemar here for the Gears who have it. Shinemar, this is a puzzle from the beginning of the story, back in Shmos Aleph, Pasuk Yudalad. Vayimaru es chayim kasha. They, the Egyptians, embittered the, their lives, the lives of the Jews, with um, difficult labor, hard labor. Bechomer uvlevenim uvcholavodakasada. With they had to build buildings with bricks and also do agricultural work. Eskol avodasam asher abdu vahem befarach, and they were forced to work. Um, for the Egyptians, in like sort of this this brutal, um, emotionally destructive, psychologically destructive types of ways, the like more elaborates, they had the men doing the women's jobs and vice versa. The point is that the, it wasn't just hard, backbreaking labor, but it also was psychologically destructive. Okay, so that was the bitterness, the terrible bitterness of life in Egypt. And again, we recall that symbolically with these more or these bitter herbs that we eat. Okay, now like a new a new paragraph, if you will, in the Mishnah. As far as the purpose of the experience of Sipri Mitzrayim, it happens, at, it happens at the Seder table. So I'm hesitant to say the central theme, but certainly amongst the central themes and possibly the central theme and takeaway of the Pesach Seder is um, one of self-identity, that we want the participants i.e. every Jew, to identify himself or herself as a member of the Jewish people per se, meaning that one's self-identity is not I'm an individual who happens to be Jewish, who happens to do Jewish things from time to time, who happens to live in the Jewish community. No. Your identity is you are first and foremost a Jew, part of this nation, and your identity spans and extends beyond your little self, but um, across the nation, both in across the bodies of the nation, like Arab and Zelazel, we're all together as a big family, so to speak, and also across the generations, that this family, like an organism that has, you know, the same organism, list, organism lives over an extended period of time, but as certain, you know, cells die and replenish, so our identity as a Jew and as a member of the Jewish people spans from the beginning of the Jewish story Hence, we talked about in the previous Mishnah, the talking about the the Ganai, talking about back from Avram and Terach, or from um, Yaakov and Fling Lavan, all the way um, forward to the future. So your self-identity is this part of the Jewish people, and what defines that, therefore, is that you share a common past, and we're, we are re-experiencing, we're living that past right now, the Pesach Seder, recognizing our past is one in which Hashem chose us as a people, not as individuals, and to be Amhanivcha, this chosen people, with a special mission, a special relationship, and we share a common future. Our destiny is that the Jewish people have this role to play in Tikkun Olam and repairing the world and readying it um, for Yemosa Mashiach and, and beyond. So that being the case, we want to identify specifically and personally with the nation and the experience of the nation, um, and even events that happened in yesteryear, as we're talking about in the Pesach Seder, we have to look at them as if that's us, that's us, that's me. And that being the case, the Mishnah says explicitly, Behold, Orvador, in every generation, Chayv Adam Liros Esatzmo, a person has to 
identify himself, has to see himself, as if he personally went out of Egypt. You know, that's what I'm trying to say here, but his, his identity is one that, this is me, this is my family. Like, my, you know, like, I was born in South Africa. I left and I grew up when I was in California and I was two, from when I was two years old. But I still, so to speak, say I'm South African. I'm from South Africa. I identify because that's where my family is from, even though I don't remember it as a child. It doesn't matter. It's my identity. The Jews were in Egypt and we were in Egypt too, like as if it's, it's immediate to us. So as if I came out. Shanae Amar, the Pasuk says, if he, now this is the proof that it has to be sort of your self-identity because when the Pasuk says, what will you talk about telling subsequent generations when you go to Israel about the generations past, you know, in, in Egypt? So you're talking, the Pasuk we're talking about some sort of indefinite future time. And at that point it says, Shinemar, he got it to Levincha, you'll tell your children, Bayom Hahule more on that day that they ask, and you'll say to them, Ba'avurzeh, it was for this, for this very event, meaning the experience of being an Ovid Hashem and participating in his mitzvahs like we're doing right now at the Pesach Seder, eating the matzah, the motor, etc. Ba'avurzeh, for the Pesach, you're actually pointing to the, the Pesach, the Korban Pesach should have been on the table. Asa Hashem li Mitzrayim. Hashem acted for me when I left Egypt. And the person who's saying that to his child, ostensibly, is not a person who literally left Egypt. He's in some subsequent generation living near Israel, like we are today. But you're talking to the first person. He did it for me personally, but say, see, when I personally went out. So that's the proof text that a person should perceive itself as if he is, um, his identity personally is interwoven with the very generation that came out of Egypt. So it's like you also. Now, in response to this recognition that I personally have been selected by Hashem and we have a special relationship and he did all these miracles for us and he saved us and he invested in us and he treated us different than other nations. So, therefore, says the Mishnah, Lefichach, and therefore, Anachnu Chayavim, we are obligated to thank Hashem and recognize what he did for us. The Mishnah will now list um, initially nine different expressions of thanks, different words. Um, they have different um, you, you know, connotations. I'll try to bring those out best I can here. Um, and then we'll transition to actually five separate transitions that we experienced that we were thanking Hashem. And then we'll culminate in the word halluya. And this haluka word is like the tenth and supreme expression and introduction to the halal, which we'll say at the at the end of the magid, immediately prior to our eating of the matzah, etc. So, the Mishnah says, Lafichach, and therefore Lahodos. We're obligated to Lahodos. Hoda is to thank, like to recognize and admit we could have done it without you, Hashem. Lahalel, Halel is to praise like with song. Lishabeach, Lishabeach is to praise and to identify the virtues in other. Lifa'er to glorify. That's pe'er means like um, like kind of sweet, like the crown on one head that makes one, you know, be perceived as being impressive and glorious. Laromem. To elevate, Romamut is like exaltedness, highness. Lahader, to somehow like to, to beautify and, and make more splendid. Levarech, to bless. So the simple understanding of to bless is essentially to recognize that he is a source of blessing. Laaleh, the word aliyah, to raise up, to elevate. Ulkales, kilos is to, to praise. Um, will do that praising to the one who did 
did for our fathers and for us, again, for us also, we identify as for us, all these miracles. Now, we're going to list five transitions. Each one has got their own nuance, but these are sort of like, this sums up the five um, transitions that occur when Hashem redeems us from our servitude. So the first is, Hashem took it out, took us out from um, slavery to freedom. This is um, largely like a physical thing. In other words, we were physically slaves at the beck and call and whim of the Egyptians, and now we're free. We're, our bodies are taken out from that. We're no longer subject to that. Miyagon the Simcha. The second of the five is we went transitioned from Yagon, which is a sort of misery, to Simcha, which is joy, external joy, communal joy, social joy. The point is that we were just downright sad um, as slaves, but now we are happy as free men and women. The third is we were from Avelis is like mourning. Yomtov, of course, is like um, rejoicing in that day. So the contrast between Avelis and Yomtov is um, Avelis, like mourning, M O U R N, mourning, is kind of like when you're, <clears throat> when the, <clears throat> excuse me, when the rug gets pulled out from under you and like you lose your sense of orientation. You don't know where you are in the world and where you belong and what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go and how can you go on in this current scenario. Like all seems like so unreal and un, ungrounded and you don't know which way to head. Lost all context of your life. That's the Avelis experience. And that was the nature of being a slave. When you're, when you're at the caprice of, of a master who can, determines when and what you do, so you have no context in your life. You have no idea what will happen tomorrow versus today. You can't make plans. You can't have aspirations. There's no way to fulfill those plans or aspirations. So you don't know. And you just you just a loose, you're just a loose end that's just sort of like floating in the wind based on the beck and call of your master. Yom Tov sort of implies endpoint, a reason to celebrate, a place to celebrate, to understand that you have a particular place and a particular past which you can celebrate, and you have achievements that you can enjoy you've, you've made it to a place it's a happy day in the recognition that this is a particular place that is a culmination of some process that preceded it that's the third step the so if you will so to speak uh, the first is almost physical the second is like psychological yoga and the simcha the third is like um almost like sociological that, that as a people we just were like lost and and f- floundering and we brought this happy day where we know exactly who we are and where we belong and what we're up to, where we're going, what we can do. The fourth is from darkness to a great light. This is sort of like our spiritual transition. Afela, spiritual darkness. That there's, you know, we weren't we weren't even aware, Kilu, as if it, as it were, of like Hashem's presence or even the potentiality of spirituality. We're just, we're we're in the dark. We're in the dark, no, no light shining on us from Hashem. We're not aware of his love or goodness or ashkacha. And or gadol, the flip side is, when we came out of Egypt, we were obviously in the most bright light directly exposed to Hashem and his ashkacha and his love and his direct control of our lives and splitting of seas and bringing of man and doing miracles. So we were in like the bright light and, you know, intensely, almost too intensely, as you'll see from the stories, right, of, of that we're in the presence of Hashem, the creator of the universe the master of the universe. And finally, umishibud le'geula. Shibud is 
like mishubad means like like when you have a, like a lien on something. So you know if if if, if I have a mortgage on my house, so there's a shibud on it. And to the extent that there's no equity left for me, if you will, then like the shibud means like I might be living in this house, but it's not mine. The house belongs to the bank. So shibud means like our persons weren't ourselves. We didn't own our own self-identity ourselves because we were slaves being dominated by and, and controlled by the Egyptians. And Geula is redemption. We're totally, we're, we're like a new people, like a new person. This now body in which we're inhabiting is our body and we are endowed with freedom we are free to choose and free to determine our future and we are and our actions are the products of our own will and we can self-actualize that's totally it's totally different from being someone who's mishubad he's like leaned by someone else controlled like the, the total transition of the nature of self and who you are and what you are and what you define as your selfhood what you have claimed to in terms of your 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 accomplishments in terms of your bechira all that happens with the gula when you're free. So that's obviously a, a massive, all-encompassing holistic transition. So those five transitions are the things that we, the benefits, if you will, that accrue to us through redemption. And we are therefore praising Hashem with um, these total of 10 different terms of, phrase, of praise. The first one we listed, and now the 10th we're going to say, V'nomar lafanav, and therefore we will say before Hashem, Hallelujah. Um, this, that word, Haluka, is the first of the, it's the beginning of the Hallel. Remember Hallel, which we'll recite, are a series of um, chapters of Tehillim. The first one is, it's Kuf Yud Gimel, and from there we go in a sequence. So Kuf Yud Gimel begins with the words, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Dei Hashem, like uh, Haluka, we're praising Hashem, and that's the tenth, like the ultimate praise, if you will, of the ultimate expression of praise, and it begins, and it's kicking off now the recitation of, of the Hallel. Um, there are those who want to, There are those who want to connect the um, the ten expressions to these five transitions and say it's like there's, there's supposed to be like two per to this idea of having like sort of like a double praising of Hashem. So everything it's befitting of us that we give like um, a full like a double praise. So therefore, it's like two for every one. Um, whatever the case is, um, certainly we want like the full gamut and the as complete an expression of praise as possible, hence all ten expressions as one finds in Tehillim, we will do in praising of Hashem. And this brings us to the next stage of the Pesach Seder, which is the recitation of the Hallel. Explicitly, this is when the Hallel kicks in at the end of, at the end of Magid.